This is the Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith. Love God and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at branchesoc.com. So there's a story that I always tell uh, at Branches, and I, I share it for our community of faith because I think it encapsulates who we want to be and also something that we need to be wary of, of who we can become. And it's the story of this wild uh, ocean coast. And so I want you to picture like steep cliffs, points that come out. The, the ocean is jutted with different rocks that stick out. And at the time, this was a community where there was a lot of seafaring. Boats were part of life. And so because of the rugged coast, there were a lot of shipwrecks, a lot of boats that would be wrecked. And of course, more importantly than the boats are the people that are in the boats that are now stuck in the water. And so you can't just be on the coast and see this, this suffering and this need and just watch. And so there was this little shack that um, was created so that people could volunteer to be lifesavers. They would come and they would you know, write up on the board a little schedule and they just wanted people to always be there so that when a catastrophe came, they could be out there to help people. And so the word started getting out because it, there was an excitement. I mean, it's, there's something about loving others. There's something about doing something for others, especially when it comes to life-saving that gained attention. So it started to become well-known, uh, I guess popular, because people wanted to be involved in it. So they were filling up the sheet and um, they would bring people in and they had these cots and they would, they would care for their needs. And so what usually happens is that, you know, there'd be people that weren't out life-saving. And so they're thinking, how can we make this a better experience for those that we're caring for? How can we do this better? And so they started buying more than just the one boat that they started with. And they got several boats so they could send out several people. And then at the actual shack, they started to, to make it nicer. And they would, um, they would take the cots and they put in nice beds. And then for those that didn't need to lie down but maybe needed to sit, they brought in nice furniture. And they thought, well, let's not have be ugly and cold. Let's, let's get the, the temperature right in here and let's make it beautiful. And so they made it just nicer. And then over time, they had to make it bigger because they had such nice furniture and nice things going on and they'd expanded. So they made the shack and they tore that down and they made a bigger facility. It was nice, beautiful. And so they would go out and, and still continue to life save, but it was such a beautiful place. And there was such a camaraderie with everyone that they just loved to hang out at the life-saving station. So they would come and, and spend a lot of time there. And over time, fewer and fewer boats would go out because of the joy and the, the excitement of just being together and sharing stories of life-saving prior. And there started to be this, this tension, this, this frustration and division because people felt like they were getting off of the main task of life-saving. And at about that time, this large uh, boat came and they, they had to rescue a lot of people. And 
because of the rain, because of the situation, because they were out in the elements, the people that were coming in were, they were just ragged. They were, their clothes were muddy and sandy. And so when they brought them into the facility, all of the furniture was soiled and it just, it was messing up what they'd created. So they built a, an adjoining, um, kind of like a bathhouse where they could clean everybody up so they could stay out there so they wouldn't get dirty. And so then the, the tension started growing even more. And so at the next meeting they had, there were strong words and there was division and, and there was a, a, a decision made that some of those felt that they were way off of the original task of life-saving. And so they were told, well, then you don't have to be a part of this club anymore. You can go start your own. And so they did. And they left and they started their own um, shack and their own life-saving uh, club. And as you would imagine, the pattern started all over again. And so now on that coast, there's actually all of these beautiful facilities. The problem is, is that there's not a whole lot of uh, life-saving that's going on. And there's still a lot of seafaring, a lot of boats, and a lot of people are drowning. And I share that because I need to be reminded for our community. I need to be reminded that we're being called to go out, to be involved in the daily flow of life, of saving lives. We're inviting people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, introducing them to him. And for those that want to grow in this faith, we're helping them in growing in that faith. And it's a continual flow of what we need to do. And when Jesus said, go and make disciples, the word go means while you're going. And so this is something that we are going to do all the time. But it's easy to get caught up in the club aspect of it. Because we do want to be together. There's something beautiful about that. So let's look at what that practically looks like, though, in a community of faith. What can it look like? Because with boats, well, it's kind of obvious. Someone's got to take the boat out. They've got to jump out. They've got to pull people out. There's a system to it. But what does that look like with what we're doing? And so um, there's two words. Just like last week, there's two words that we can focus on. And so we're gonna see that play itself out here as we look at Jesus and his early people that he went out to. And so we're in John chapter one, and we're gonna start in verse 35. And it says, the next day that John was there again with two of his disciples. This John is not the John that wrote this book. It's not the brother of James. It's John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And so John, just prior to verse 35, is telling people about Jesus, trying to define that John is less than this one that is coming. And so he has these students, he has these disciples, he has people that he's invested in, people that are invested in him that he's walked with. And so when he sees Jesus passing by, he says, look, there is the Lamb of God. Now, this isn't the first time he said it. Just prior, he said it before, but he just says, look, there it is. He's proclaiming like, that's the guy. That's the one I told you about. 
And so two of his disciples, John's disciples, hear this. His students, his apprentices hear this. And so they turn around and they start following Jesus, like walking behind him. Because what has happened here is John has invited them, like, that's the guy. You should check this out. And so they go and they start following behind Jesus, walking behind him. And so Jesus turns around and he asks this question. What do you want? And they say, uh, where are you staying? Now that seems like a weird question to us, but they recognize that Jesus is a rabbi and a teacher. And so the way that the teaching happens is that you spend time with them as an apprentice. And so they want to see how he's doing this life because John has already invited them into this. And I want you to hear what Jesus says. He says, come and you will see. What we're going to see here is a pattern of people being invited to come and see. And they're done by people that already have a relationship. You see, John has a relationship with these two disciples. He's invested in them. He's cared for them. He's looked out for them. And so in doing this, it's natural for him to see something that's important and to share that. And they trust him because they know he's trustworthy. And so Jesus here is also inviting, but they don't have a relationship yet. And so these two disciples, they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon that they stayed with him till. One of those two was Andrew. And so there's someone that he's close with, someone he's invested with, and it's Peter. Well, his name was Simon at this time. And so he invites his brother. It says here, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing, I like that emphasis, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Those two words are going to play themselves out over and over again. He's already invested in Peter. It's his brother. They know they care for each other. There's a bond there. And so he invites him. Doesn't force him. Doesn't coerce him. Doesn't try to persuade him. Out of love, he's inviting him. Come and see. So this pattern of coming and seeing and being with those you're already invested with, you invite them. So he does it. And Jesus looked at him and says, you are Simon, son of John. And he gives him a nickname right off the bat. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then this pattern goes on again. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And then he finds Philip. And so when he sees Philip, Jesus invites Philip. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the same town. So they know each other. They're walking with each other. Philip finds Nathaniel. Okay, now there's a new guy. So it's not some stranger. He goes, found means he goes and seeks out his buddy, Nathaniel, and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So this was something that they were waiting for, this Messiah. 
And he's saying, look, we found it. This, this, the goal of what we've been waiting for. Do you have friends that are hungry? Do you have friends that are just wanting more? And so, of course, there's kickback here, which we experience all the time, right? When you're trying to help someone and he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And so what does Philip say? Just come and see. See, that's the thing about investing and inviting. You don't have to make anything happen. You're just saying, look, just, just check it out. With those you love and those you care for, you're inviting them in. But the question that we have here is, what are you inviting them to? Because as we look at us today, where are we inviting them? It's not about inviting them to church. It's about inviting them to come and see Jesus. But is there an environment that you can invite them to? And so for many of us, it's remember as you are going, what you normally do, invite them and have other believers there, right? Because in your flow of life, you should be interacting with your community of faith. If you're at branches, you should know people at branches. And we're all going in the same direction. We want to be near Jesus. We want to learn from him. And we want to grow in this life that he has offered to us. And so, like for me, I was invited through sports. And there wasn't some nefarious plans, bring me to sports and then I'm going to meet Jesus. It was like, hey, just come. We'd love to have you. For many, it's something that involves food. Uh, for me, that's something I enjoy. I'm having a barbecue and I'm inviting some friends over. But intentionally inviting them because they're my friends. And I'm like, just come and we'll see what comes of that. I went and I was invited to go play golf. And I thought, you know, as we talked about being ambassadors for Christ. So this week I was invited to go play golf with a couple friends and another person I hadn't met before. And I was trying to remind myself, I'm going not to play golf. I'm going as an ambassador for Christ. And while I'm there, I'll play golf. And sure enough, just in the natural flow of who I am and the friendship with the other guys I had, we started talking about our faith and how what God has done in my life. And so the other person was asking me questions. Not so much about Jesus, but about me. And so there was this invitation to come and see. And I, I want to close with this. We need to remind ourselves that we're lifesavers. We need to remind ourselves that we at one time were off the shore and someone cared enough to come into our world. And if you are walking in faith, someone else went out and they brought you in and you got cleaned up. And the thing about this Lifesavers Club is that it was filled with Lifesavers that it experienced what it's like to see someone come out in the boat and invite them in, tend to their wounds, care for them, look out for them, and then send them off with no strings attached. And they came back on their own to be a part of this. That's what a community of faith is. And so I don't know where you're at in that. I don't know if uh, you're out in the water and you're needing someone to come to you and I want to invite you to this new life. You can always email us, call us however you want. Go to www 
www.branchesoc.com. If you're part of our church, make it be known. You can do the same thing, but contact us. We want to help you in that. But the truth is it's easier with people you're already invested with. And I'm sure you know someone that you know loves you, know cares about you. And I would always suggest starting with someone that's invested in you. But if not, we're open. Or maybe you're one that, that knows what it's like to be pulled to the sand. And I would say, remember, we're in the business of inviting of going out. Father, guide our steps. Show us what this looks like and remind us that you did this for us and show us how to do that for others, to invest and invite. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless.